the Imposter Syndrome Files. I am so grateful that you're here, and I really hope that you've been enjoying the conversations that you've been listening to, and hopefully finding some tips, some next steps that you can take if you struggle with similar feelings of self-doubt, which obviously, as you're hearing, are fairly universal. This is something that we all go through from time to time. When I started this podcast, my goal was really to try to normalize the experience, to let everybody know that you are not alone, that there's a name for what you're feeling, and that there are steps that we can be taking to manage it more effectively. What I have found over the course of these conversations has been fascinating. I have had an absolutely powerful and different conversation with every single person who I have interviewed. I worried at one point that there may not be enough to talk about. How much is there to say about imposter syndrome? Are the stories gonna start to get repetitive? That has absolutely not been the case. Everyone brings a fascinating new perspective to this conversation. I have learned something from every discussion that we've had. I hope you have too. I wanna make a note that many of these recordings are being done during the social distancing that's happening with coronavirus. I am doing my best to protect the sound quality, but we are all in homes that have pets, kids, all kinds of background noise going on. For me, it's much more important to share with you a very natural conversation between two people than it is to share a perfectly polished recording. So I hope that you will bear with us if there are moments where the sound is not perfect. Uh, Really, my goal is to share stories, not to provide perfectly scripted, perfectly polished audio. So apologies for any imperfections that may be coming through in the recordings, but I'm hoping that you're getting the essence of the message regardless. So thank you again for being here. I wish you all the best and hope that you will consider sharing your own story one day. Thanks again. Tammy, I am so excited that we connected and that you're here today. I'd love to start by having you introduce yourself to us. Well, thank you, Kim. Thank you for having me. So I'm Tammy Guler loeb I'm an executive and career coach. I'm an entrepreneur or solopreneur. And I work with people who are in some sort of career transition. Perhaps they're looking for work or people who are in the workplace and are looking to grow in one way or another, whether they're looking to build themselves as leaders or are in leadership roles or executive roles and are trying to expand and improve themselves. And overall, what I really try to help people do is be their most authentic and best selves and find their happiest place at work. I love that, Tammy. It sounds like you and I have similar uh, similar approaches and interests. And given that, I'm sure that impo- you're no stranger to imposter syndrome. Right? Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'd love to, to ask, first of all, just for you personally, what imposter syndrome means to you and how, if at all, it has affected you and your career. And then I'd love to talk a little bit more too, as we move forward on what you see and then in the folks that you work with. Sure. Well, 
you know what it what it means to me um, is it's it's you know imposter syndrome is it's really about the stories we tell ourselves i think the the voices the the i would say the negative self talk the things that get in the way of how we tell ourselves what we are not and all the things that we say well i don't know this or i don't know that or they're going to think it's all about the the stories we tell in our heads about what we think we are not or i'm not qualified to do this or what will they think of me? And it's not to say that there isn't some truth in those thoughts, but oftentimes we fill our heads with a lot of thoughts about what we're not qualified to do or who we are not as a person or as a professional to the extent that we even cover up all the skills or the strengths or the talents that we could possibly bring to the table that could be really useful. And so we hold ourselves back and we don't show up in the brilliance that we could. And so from my own experience, and I think most of us have experienced this, we, we do hold ourselves back. There have been um, times, especially in the last, I mean, I've been self-employed for the last 20 plus years. And so there are times on a regular basis where people will approach me and ask me, for example, you know, do you do customer service training? Or because I do, I do a variety of training programs. So I'm just thinking of an example where I was asked once, do you do customer service training? And I thought for a moment, you know, I've never done a customer service training or never done a training that was called customer service. And my first instinct was to say, oh, no, I don't do that. I, I can't honestly, you know, say I do it. And then I stopped and I took a breath and I said to the person, sure, I do customer service training. <laughs> <laughs> and I realized I felt like an imposter. Uh, but I realized very quickly in that moment that what were the things about customer service that make good customer service? Because it's about communication. And I took, I took a communication training that I had already developed, and I did a little bit more research, and I developed it into a customer service training, and it went off very, very well. So I think it, it took a little bit of... Um, my background in being able to train people in communication skills, a little bit of extra research, a little bit of confidence. It was like a recipe mm. to say, you know, I, I, I wasn't being asked to invent something brand new. There's nothing new about cu good customer service. Um, and I, I paused in the moment and just sort of, gave myself a little bit of kick of confidence and I stepped into an opportunity that I really wanted. And so it's an example of both imposter syndrome and how to get over imposter syndrome. And I see this a lot with people who just, they, they hold themselves back with when it comes to little details where they say, 
oh, I don't, I'm not qualified or I haven't done this thing before. And, you know, we all, we all do it. I mean, I do, I'm sure I do it to myself all the time where, oh, I haven't done this before. Well, the only way that you're going to get over imposter syndrome is to actually do something if you haven't done it before. So what I find is I have to, with myself especially, I have to stop myself, take a moment and say, is this something I'd like to learn more about? Is this something that I think I have the resources available to me to learn enough about so that I could step into it? And I also think that what I've learned now, I've learned this over many years. I'm sure many years ago I would have you know, probably let the imposter syndrome get the best of me. But when you start to accumulate years of experience and um, maybe a little more what I would call chutzpah, um, <laughs> you start to step into things knowing, you know, it's almost like you have the confidence to know what you don't know and to know that there are lots of resources available to figure it out. And so that's what I often will do is when I step into a situation where maybe it makes me a little bit nervous or I'm not sure I know everything I need to know, I learn what I need to learn. Most of the time I have the baseline knowledge. If it's something that I really don't know what I'm talking about, then I just say, you know, I think I, think I can connect you with somebody else. But that's not imposter syndrome. That's just being authentic. So I think when we talk about imposter syndrome, we're talking about really the things that hold us back, that we're holding ourselves back from learning, from growing, from stepping into our confidence, from stepping into opportunities that could really help us expand ourselves. You said so many powerful things there, and I really want to focus a little bit on what you're talking about right now, which is the tendency that we have when we're faced with something new to look at what we don't know and how different it is from our existing experience. And in the process, also forget the fact that we are resourceful people who have learned so much already. I mean, we weren't born with all of the great experience and knowledge that we have today. So instead of thinking about how does this fit in to our existing experience, expertise, et cetera, as you described with the customer service training, right? It was a different, maybe different lens on a similar conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, we start to panic and think, oh no, I'm not ready right. for that. That's not right. my area. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't, I'm not an expert in that. Right. And who, who is? You know, I mean, you know, I think that we hold other people up higher than we hold ourselves oftentimes. And when we really take a closer look, um, most other people are are no not all that much more knowledgeable than we are. I mean, uh, it, it depends on the on the area of expertise, of course. I'm not talking about, you know, highly technical areas, of course. But um I was just thinking about an exercise that I do with some of my clients who are trying to figure out what they want to do next. And it's a, um, it's probably, it might be a tool that you're familiar with. It's called the skill scan. And um, 
you know, we look at this deck of cards and on each, each card in the deck, there's a skill and we sort through, I have the client sort through the cards. I, I do the manual one. There is a digital version of it, which I've used sometimes, but a lot of times we just do the cards. And so I have them sort through the skills on the deck based on what they perceive their own competency is with each skill. And so they have the choice to say they are highly competent, moderately competent, or not competent at all with the skill. And it's all based on their own perception of themselves. And so what I tell most people, if they've been around the block at least once, I say to them, there should be very, very few cards that end up in the little to no competency pile. And it always shocks me when people have, you know, a pile of like 20, even 20 skills in that pile. And so I always go through that pile with them and I start to, you know, I'll start to challenge them a little bit in a gentle, loving way, of course. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's funny how people have these perceptions of themselves, of what they can't do. And um, and how they don't think more expansively about their capabilities. So, um, you know, for example, one of the cards is hand dexterity. And so a lot of people will put that one in the no, little to no competency pile. And I'll say, so you have no hand dexterity? How do you hold a pen and write with a pen? <laughs> or how do you hold a toothbrush and brush your teeth? Or how do you, you know, tie your shoes? you know, and, and they'll say, well, but I don't use it at work. And I'll say, that's okay. We're not talking about, you know, we're, there's another set of card sorts that we do in the, in the the way we use this tool to get at how you might want to use these things at work so that the hand dexterity card may not end up in the final grouping of cards that you're going to use when you're looking at a career. But I want people to get a baseline first of saying, these are skills that I am capable of. Whether you're going to use them at work is another story. But I want people to think more expansively. And I think the same thing goes when it comes to imposter syndrome is, you know, are you, you know, was I capable of providing a customer service training? Absolutely. And why is that true? Because I know how to communicate. I know how to teach communication. And guess what? I've been a customer almost my whole life. So I know what it's like on the other side. Um, And so, and I was able to do a little bit of research. And the combination of those made for a very nice customer service training. Um, So, you know, it's just amazing to me. And I, look, I do this to myself all the time. We get in our own way all the time. Um, so it, it's, and yet it's, it's amazing to me, though, how that imposter syndrome, boy, it, it weighs so heavily on so many of us, doesn't it? It sure does. And I love your example of the customer service training, too, because I have found myself in similar situations, as you described, where someone comes to you and says, well, do you do this too? And I've reached a point where I now know that I know myself well enough to know that if it's something that's a little bit outside of my scope, 
that my natural response will be, oh no, I'm not an expert. I don't know enough, right? So what I ask myself instead is, do you want to do this? Yes. And trust myself to know that I can figure it out as you're describing to have the resourcefulness. And so before I can even have a chance to talk myself out of it, if it is something that I genuinely want, I will say yes. And then Mm -hmm. once I'm committed, (laughs) then I'll just figure out how to do it. And so, uh, you know, really not even allowing myself the time to, to come up with all the reasons why I'm not the best person to do it, but to, to just say yes and figure it out. You know, because there's so many other aspects to that situation that are so important. And I I love what you said about the idea that, you know, to ask yourself, is this something I want to do? Because it's not even about the the content at that point, because the content you can learn and you Hmm. can deliver. If If you feel comfortable with the delivery, you can learn the content and you can deliver it. Nobody's asking you to teach a course on how to build you know, a, a rocket that's going up to Mars. Okay. <laughs> so, so, you know, it, that, you know, so it's, it's, um, it's not out of your scope. Um, but I think the question really is, is this something you really would enjoy doing or would want to do? And that's the same thing that goes with those, those cards that I was just talking about is, and that's where we go next with those cards is, are these skills you would want to use? And that's sort of, that's really the clincher, right? Is it's one thing to say, I'm, I know how to do this thing, or I could learn how to do this thing. It's what do you, what do you really want? What's, you know, what's really underneath all that for you? Is that something that you would enjoy learning? Nobody, you know, if you, if you look at a job description, for example, um, how many people don't apply for a job because they don't have every single little bit of experience that's in the job description and they, they walk away from a potential job opportunity? Oh, you're right. And absolutely. And my argument to that, too, is if you have every single skill on that requirements list and you're overqualified. <laughs> There's nothing in it. Right. For you. <laughs> and most of the time, the person who wrote the job description or the employer, as they start to interview candidates, they even change their minds about what they want in a candidate. Because exactly. as they meet people, they realize that their needs are a little different or the the requirements of the project or the the division or the department have changed or, you know, things at the company have changed a little bit. And so they're not just hiring a job description, they're hiring a person. And um, I, I have this conversation with clients all the time. They'll say, oh, I can't apply for this because I don't have three to five years experience. I only have two and a half years experience. <laughs> and and I'll say, oh, so you've already gotten the job offer and you're turning it down. Is that it? <laughs> you know, like, how about just applying and let them decide whether they want to talk to you? <laughs> right. Right. Well, and I think this goes back to where we started when you were talking about the negative self-talk, because we do have such a tendency to zoom into what we feel we're lacking, what we don't feel like we know, and to completely dismiss all of the great things that we bring to the table. Yep. Yep. 
We do. And, and we don't think flexibly about what we bring to the table or how we can, um, you know, how we can take what we've done before and almost retrofit it to another situation. I'll, I'll give you a, a couple of other examples. Um, um, for example, I, I, I have a podcast called Work from the Inside Out, and I've interviewed a lot of people who've made all kinds of various and some of them quite wild career transitions or job transitions. And some of them stepped into situations where they didn't know what they were doing at all. They really didn't. And they readily admit to me that they didn't know what they were doing, but they had an inkling that it was the right move. So there was that, that whole bit about intuition or that little whisper or that instinct that told them just go for it and if you have a huge case of imposter syndrome then you're not listening to those little voices and how often have we had that 2020 hindsight where we said to ourselves oh i wish i had listened to that little voice mm. and so i would encourage your listeners listen to those little voices they're usually right um You're right I countless stories of people who stepped into situations where they either didn't know what they were doing and they stepped in anyway. And oftentimes they stepped into situations where they were being hired by somebody who just liked something about them, who believed in them as people and believed that they could learn as they went along. And it's amazing to me how many employers are willing to do that. I, I think we often don't give the employers enough credit for giving people a break or giving them a chance because a lot of employment decisions are made based on what we call likability. It's not just based on what skills you have or what experience you have or what's on paper because there's usually a lot of candidates who all present with the same credentials. And so for those of us who allow the imposter to run the show, we're missing out on the piece that's not the imposter, the part of, of the equation that's actually just the real you, the real person. And the real person is, is often who the employer is hiring. It's not the bucket of skills or the years of experience because they've got a pile of resumes that all look the same in some ways. And especially I think about, you know, Kim, Kim, you and I live here in the Boston area and we live in the land of overqualified, highly educated people, right? <laughs> right. So, you know, we have to show up as people who are going to really add value to the organizational culture. We have to understand how we can add value to that and make a contribution to the organization in that way. And I, I would encourage people to get over their imposter syndrome in some ways, not even about what they know, but who they are. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I think that's such an important point. And it's 
really scary, especially in uncertain times like we're in right now when people are really fearing for their jobs and worried about whether they can find another job. There, there is that scarcity mindset and that sense of I'm, I'm not good enough. I'm not qualified enough. Yeah. And we have to tame that Mm -hmm. negative self-talk like you're talking about because we have so much more to offer than we recognize. Oh my goodness. Yes. And you're right. That scarcity mindset really, um, boy, it loves to have a party with the imposter, you know, (laughs) they, they, they love to have a cocktail party together. (laughs) So true. (laughs) Yeah. You know, you're absolutely right. Uh, I love this conversation. I think that this has been really, really insightful. And I'd love to wrap up with a question for you about what motivated you to want to tell your story today? What are you hoping people will take away from it? Oh, Kim, what a great question. Uh, (laughs) Well, I think, um, I think there's a lot of people running around out there allowing their imposter to run them. And You know, there's a couple of things that really motivated me. One is I want to see less imposters running the show. Um, I think imposters make us unhappy. I think most of us have worked very hard to get where we are. We've worked hard in school. We've worked hard to advance ourselves. Um, Some of us are our parents who have children who are watching us, and we are role models for them and showing them what the world of work is like, or we're showing, trying to show them what it's like to be a confident adult. And so it's almost like we have two jobs, right? The mm. job of, of being a professional or a working person, and also the, the job of being a parent and wanting to role model what that's like, especially when we're telling our children they can be whatever they want to be. So we need, we, need to, we need to push that imposter out of the way and really show up in the world for who we are in a way that we can feel good about. Um, because really the imposter is of our own making. Nobody, nobody really created the imposter but us. And um, if we can show up and work from a place that brings about our own strengths and the things that we're enjoying doing, it's just going to spread a lot, a lot better energy and a lot better results out there. Absolutely. I could not agree with you more. That's such a powerful way to end our conversation. And thank you so much, Tammy, for being here. Well, thank you for having me, Kim. This was, this was so much fun. Thank you so much for listening today. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and share it with other women who can benefit from this conversation. Before we go, I want to share some additional resources with you. If you struggle with, this, with imposter syndrome and you want to manage it more effectively, I invite you to join my free imposter syndrome online challenge. Every day for seven days, you'll get an email with self-reflection questions and exercises to help you better understand your own experience with imposter syndrome and how to navigate it more effectively. To join the free challenge, visit executivecareersuccess.com slash imposter dash syndrome dash challenge. When you sign up, you'll immediately receive your first message. Also, if you're interested in joining a community of women who engage in candid conversations that generally aren't happening elsewhere, 
I invite you to join my Leading Women Discussion Group. On the first and third Thursday of every month at 12 p.m. Eastern, we meet virtually over Zoom to talk about questions or challenges related to career management, leadership development, and any other relevant topics such as imposter syndrome and confidence. It's always a great discussion with a great group of women. If you want to check it out, you're welcome to be my guest on a future call. Just reach out to me at kim at executivecareersuccess.com and I will share the call details with you. And if you want to join my newsletter to receive tips, insights, and updates, text leading women all one word, to 66866. Finally, consider telling us your story. Contact me to learn more about how you can be a guest on the Imposter Syndrome Files. Thanks again, and have a wonderful day.